0: So I'm not going to talk real loud, but I think this is up good. But let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this time. We bless you. Lord, we thank you for the power of the word of the Lord. Lord, we thank you for an awesome move of your spirit. But Lord, as we come in Jesus' name and through his blood, we ask you tonight that the heavens are really open and that your glory is here. And we ask you to come upon the word of the Lord. Lord, we ask you to speak through me tonight under an anointing and that everything will be said tonight that needs to be said. This will go out and accomplish what it needs to accomplish, that your Holy Spirit is going to move upon every single person. And Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and good fertile soil of hearts and minds, Lord, to be anointed and empowered. Let this word go out and land into good soil as your Holy Spirit has prepared us. And help us to get tuned into what you're saying. Help us to see what we need to see, hear what we need to hear, understand what we need to understand. And, um, Lord, let this be watered by the Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. Let this be powerful and effective and fruitful. And, Lord, again, I pray let the Holy Spirit just move upon every one of us. Give us a grace tonight to get locked in, tuned in, focused, no distraction, no hindrance in our minds and get everything out of this that your will to be done. And Lord, we agree together. We bind up anything of the devil right now that would try to hinder this word from getting where it needs to get, accomplishing what it needs to. We bind you in Jesus' name. We commit to back off right now. Lord, let your angels just clear that away, and we thank you. We stand on the promise. Your word will not return void. It will accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. So let everything be accomplished into his times. Your will to be done in Jesus' name. We agree together. Amen. All right, so I'm kind of dovetailing off of last week. But I wanted y'all to give me your best ear for a few minutes. And you know this is not necessarily for public consumption or not, I don't know. But just for River of Life, as we're looking at what's going on right now, this last couple of weeks has been pretty brutal spiritually. My wife and I have talked about it. Uh, there's been a very, very strong oppression, strong resistance. That usually comes before major breakthroughs. And it's been really brutal. A lot of times the people that are casualties of war are people that don't know what's going on. They don't discern it. And the enemy comes to try to drive wedges in relationships. And it's an oppression. It's a demonic thing. It, It tries to, put thoughts in minds, uh, affect people's emotions and all kinds of things. And when you're being attacked, it can be really pretty oppressive. But I shared that because I really feel good about things. I feel like God has taken us to new levels. This is gonna be an incredible year. Um, a lot of times the attack comes before blessing. Now in this, what came to me was I remembered something that Perry Stone actually had shared when he was with Sid Roth, he said, and I shared this with you guys, so some people may know this, but he said that his father was elderly at the time and could no longer travel to minister. And his father told him, now listen son, when you go out, he said, I need you to share this with the people. He said, in the last days there's going to be sometimes such an attack, such an oppression that tries to come over people that's so intense that the only way you're really going to be able to get out from under it would be to get alone with God and really pray in the Spirit. And he said those that don't do that are going to have a hard time getting out from under it. Not that it's not possible, but it would be very difficult. And I've had times over the last couple weeks where just having to get alone with God and pray in the Spirit. You know, you can feel... As you're praying in the spirit, you can feel things being dismantled and cleared. Now, I was really thankful. i really proud of Brienne. I know you guys are, too. You know, you, some of you have seen her grow up and start out leading worship. But, man, what an awesome job tonight, getting us in the glory of the Lord. I mean, it was such a powerful worship set. And... Um, I'm just really proud of her because there's such a prophetic edge there and there's an intercessory aspect in that that is a really good blend and it just is so powerful. And I really appreciate her praying in the spirit like that and getting revelation because one of the things we're up against in this region but it probably around the world is a religious spirit. And anytime you're wanting to see God move, a religious spirit is going to be something you're going to have to face. So... I'm not surprised, but I'm glad that she put a name to what we've been coming up against. But again, let me say, the casualties of war many times are those that don't fear the Lord, but also don't really walk with him, so they don't even know what's going on. Does that make sense? The enemy's attacking, they don't even know he's attacking. He tries to drive wedges in relationships. I've learned this, the more important the relationship, the greater the attack to drive it apart. And so he'll try to get people to get out of of the will of God or bring all kinds of distractions, attacks, attacks against health, attacks against finances, or whatever else. But anyway, that's something that's been stirring over the last couple weeks. Um, And I wanted to share that, and I really wanted to share what Perry Stone said, because I'm telling you, we need to be a people that pray in the Spirit, because the Holy Spirit knows what to pray. And let me tell you, before I even get into this sermon tonight, because it probably goes along pretty well with this, there's got to be a depth to our walk with God. You know, Satan has been trying to, to come against Pentecost for years. I remember hearing back in the Brownsville revival, and that was in the 90s. Uh, Dick Rubin talking about how a lot of the particular denomination he was talking about that you don't hear tongues anymore even back then. He, and think about it now, how bad it is. So Satan's been trying to get Pentecost done away with a long time ago. He's trying to get churches to, to get rid of the move of the Spirit of God. This is a time that we need to embrace the ministry of the Holy Spirit like no other. And let me tell you, I believe that you know, the Bible says that in the last days, that there would be thick darkness on the earth. Uh, One of the terms in Isaiah is gross darkness, thick darkness. There's going to be great deception. When people are deceived, you understand that they really... Listen, have you ever met somebody that was really truly deceived? As I have. We witness all the time. They really believe with all their heart that they're right and you're wrong. They believe with every fiber of their being that black is white white is black the truth is a lie a lie is the truth they're deceived it man it takes a move of god to break through that sometimes i mean it is something i believe this gross darkness there's going to be significant deception jesus even said that He's, when they said what about the last days he said watch out no one deceive you it's the first thing he said great deception great confusion But those that walk with the Lord, here's what's going to happen. Darkness is going to thicken and increase. But among God's people, the light is going to increase. The glory is going to increase. There's going to be such a shining light. You know, the stars are out there all the time, but you don't see them until it gets darker. The darker things are going to get, the more the glory of the Lord is going to shine upon his people the more that the light of the truth is gonna shine, but there's gonna be a great line of demarcation. One of the things that Derek Prince always said, it was was kind of funny, but it's so true. He said, when revival comes, the very first thing God will do is everybody that's trying to ride the fence, God will flip the breaker and make it an electric fence. That's the very first thing he's gonna do. Either they're gonna jump off and get out of the things of God and go after the devil and they're gonna fall away altogether, Or they're going to get serious with God, but they're not going to be able to keep being a little hypocrite anymore either. They're not going to be able to play games. You know, and it reminds me of Elijah, rather, who said, choose this day who you're going to serve. So there's going to be this thing where there's going to be a great separation between light and darkness. The darkness is going to keep getting thicker, but the, bright, the light is going to get brighter, and the glory is going to get thicker among God's people. Is this making sense? I've preached on this a lot before, but I really believe that. And I felt a few years ago, it's interesting seeing now that there's a lot of confirmation coming, but I preached on this a couple years ago. I have it in my notes. I feel that God is going to release mighty angels to help break through things so that we can see what God wants to see in the earth there's going to be such warfare. I've been preaching that for years. I'm thankful to hear somebody else talk about it recently, but that's the truth. Look, the enemy is going to be attacking, but God is going to release his angel armies to clear the way. So anyway, that's just some things that were really on my heart tonight because there's been such a a severe oppression of the enemy. And it takes really digging down deep into Christ in resisting that, um, I remember just asking, you know, even as different people have interceded, you can feel the power of the intercession just clearing away the resistance. All right, let's move forward. So, where I left off last week is where I want to pick up, but where I'm going with this is an open heaven. Let me tell you, it is a miracle that I'm here preaching tonight because I could barely talk last night. And my wife prayed for me, and God touched me, and here we are tonight. So praise God. All right. Anyway, an inward journey. So the Bible says in Revelation 1.10, on the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. Now that's on the Sabbath, and John, being an apostle, he gripped a Jew And he honored the Sabbath day. He said, on the Lord's day, now here he was in prison on the Isle of Patmos, okay? He was in prison. And he said, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. So even in in prison, John was a man of prayer. And he had gotten in the spirit in prayer. And he said, in that state where he said, I was in the spirit, he said, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which would be a shofar. All right, I'm going to stop there, but I want you to see that John understood getting in the Spirit. Okay, so let's pick up where I left off last week and look at the flesh, the soul, and the Spirit. Now, the flesh, we know that when Adam and Eve sinned, everybody is familiar with the story, they ate of the fruit And they rebelled. Basically, the way Adam and Eve sinned was simply that they disobeyed God's voice. They rebelled. And seemingly about something small. But any time you disobey authority, even in something small, it's very serious with God. So God told them, don't eat it. And it's funny because the devil said, did God really say not to touch it? Because Eve said something about touching it. God never said that. Adam probably told her, look, don't even touch it. Okay. But anyway, the devil came up against that. And she was deceived, deception, and she rebelled. But when they ate of the fruit, the fruit went into their physical body. And God told them, on the day you eat it, you'll die. They didn't die immediately, but they did begin a process of death that moment. Does this make sense? So death entered the body. The body, the flesh, is where the sinful nature resides. So there's something in everybody that's a descendant of Adam. Are we all descendants of Adam right now? Of course we are. There's something in our flesh that we inherited down that bloodline from Adam called a sinful nature. And the sinful nature is opposed to God. The sinful nature is given to being prideful and rebellious. Um, All kinds of lusts. All kinds of sin. The sinful nature in the flesh craves things that are against God. And what happens is when you get born again, the Holy Spirit, if you're truly born again, you're born of God, not religious. See, I have to talk about that a lot in this region. It's not about going to church, okay? It's about being born of God. The Spirit of God comes in you. When the Holy Spirit enters you, he goes into your spirit, your innermost being. And that spirit man, now, because of the Holy Spirit in there, you now have the DNA of God. So when that happens, now you begin to crave the things of God. But it's a battle because your flesh still wants to crave things that are sinful. So now you've got this war going on between the flesh and the spirit. And most of that battle takes place in the realm of your soul. It's like in the middle, like in in between them is the soul area. Your soul is your mind, the area where you learn and you think and you reason, your thought life, your imagination. Your soul is also your personality. It's your emotions. And this soul area is the part of you that faces the most satanic attack because this is the part of you where decisions are made. You hear what I'm saying? Because really your life is all about a series of making decisions, whether you're going to serve God or not, whether you're going to obey God or not, whether you're going to honor the Bible or not. And so Satan targets that soul area and people that are carnal, they're fleshly, and they haven't learned to die to that sinful nature yet. The enemy plays on that. But ultimately, and you know, my wife and I just talked about this this last week, and then... We talked about it with the family, and then we, the two of us went out and talked about it again when we were outside. But she was faced with a decision. She shares in her testimony this all the time. So anybody that's familiar with her testimony probably knows this story. But she accepted the Lord and moved from Washington to Texas and had to get away from everything. And when she was here, a, a minister, a man of God, really spoke into her life, and she wanted to go back. But she was a baby Christian, and I know, um, you know, I know her, and I know that the state that she would have been in at that time, she was so young in the Lord, there's no way she could have handled that at all. There's no way. And he knew that. And so he told her, he said, I really feel like you don't need to do that because if you go back, look what you're going back to. And also, I don't think you're going to be able to handle it. You know, is there a strong church? Do you have Christian friends? You would have been going back to the same old garbage that you came out of. And we, were, we went outside and we were talking about that, we were reminiscing about that one decision. I want you to think about it for a moment. That one decision in her life that seemed at the time that it really wasn't that big of a deal. But thank God she listened to somebody that knew more than her. Because she didn't think it was a big deal, but she listened, she humbled herself and listened to somebody that knew more than her. Well, that one decision, here's what would have happened had she went the other way, and she'll tell you it's the truth. She probably would have fell away from the Lord, and she wouldn't be living for the Lord today. Brianna probably would have never grew up in a Christian home. She probably would have ended up with some guy that doesn't even know the Lord and had a very messed up life. I don't want to get into it, but just from the pattern of what we see with other aspects of that family, I can only imagine how bad it would have been. Sandy and I would have never met. We wouldn't be married. There this wouldn't even exist. You understand that decision this wouldn't exist tonight. You wouldn't be here. There would we wouldn't live in where we live. This had generational this one decision had consequences That has affected three generations and affected me and you in this room. See, Satan targets that. He targets our soul area, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. He targets that. He targets the mind, puts all kinds of thoughts in people's minds, targets their emotions. And he's trying to get them to make wrong decisions in life that will affect them and affect the people around them and it can at times have generational consequences that go down three and four generations all right so the number one thing is this we've got to go deeper in christ this year but we've got to be a people that begins to die completely to our flesh that sinful nature you know what the flesh is? That extreme selfishness of I want what I want. It's about me. I'm my own God. And here's an interesting thing about that. I was talking to my wife about this the other night too. You know, in Satanism, there's a group of people obviously that are really hardcore and they, they worship the devil and they know what they're doing. But there's actually a whole group of people that are in Satanism that claim of course do any of us really believe what they say right but anyway they claim that they don't believe in a real devil that they are their own god think about that for a minute they are their own god they worship themselves are you hearing me the idol of self and that's what adam and eve that was the very thing that satan tempted eve with he said you will be like god These people are trying to be little gods on the earth, and it's like a very selfish thing. And so that sinful nature is all about self. What I want doesn't consider others, and we've got to die to that because that flesh, I'm going to tell you, there's decisions I've had to make in life that my flesh did not want that decision but i'm so glad that i made that decision because in the long run it was it was very beneficial see your flesh goes against the lord and so our soul area where decisions are made our minds have to be renewed with the word of god and our emotions all of that part of our soul has got to become very disciplined and our minds have to be washed with the water of the Word. We've got to know the Word. In our spirit man, where the Holy Spirit dwells, that's the part of us that craves the things of God. So, in a very practical sense, every day as we spend time in prayer, we're dying to our flesh. We're bringing our flesh under because the flesh says, don't pray. The flesh says, don't get out of bed. The flesh says, don't fast. I don't feel like doing this. I don't want to do this. The flesh. But the more you die daily, the easier it gets. And you keep that flesh under subjection. And that spirit man, that part of you where the Holy Spirit dwells, that is the the dominant part of you that you walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's the part of you. And your soul area has got to be renewed. It's got to be disciplined. So saying it as simply as I can, our spirit man has got to be king. Our soul area has got to be servant. And our flesh area has got to be died, you know, dead. It's got to be brought down, subjection. It's like the slave of who we are. It's subject to us. And so this is what Paul rebuked the Corinthians. Because here you had a church of, of a bunch of people that from what I understand studying the word of God, these people were very immature in the Lord. And in 1 Corinthians 3, 3, Paul said, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, as to men of flesh, as to infants. Are you hearing what he's saying? I wanted to speak to you as spiritual, but I found myself realizing that you're just men that are fleshly, selfish infants in christ i had to give you milk to drink not solid food for you were not able to receive it indeed even now you're not able for you're still fleshly for since there is jealousy and strife among you are you not fleshly you're not walking like mere men so paul was frustrated with the corinthians because of their spiritual immaturity They needed to learn to die to that flesh and grow up in Christ as mature men and women of God. But see, you can't just dying to the flesh, that's huge. But we also have to be careful. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Do you remember last week I talked about the inward journey? We've got to get past our flesh, but we've even got to get past our own human soul area that our minds are never truly going to be able to understand God. You understand that? I think we all agree. He said, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, my ways higher. We're just, we live a life of being in awe of him, but there's no way that any of us are ever just going to figure him out. So our human minds and our human emotions sometimes can be a problem. And remember, that's the area many times the devil targets. Fiery darts, he begins to shoot all these thoughts and emotions. But James 3 is showing us the danger of being very soulish. So listen to me. You can actually begin to die to your flesh, but also you've got to understand that you cannot become a soulish Christian either. That's led by emotions and human reasoning. James 3.13, who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show it by his good behavior, his deeds, in gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but listen to what he says. It's earthly, it's soulish, and demonic. So, in other words, he's saying it's of the world. It's wisdom of this world. It's soulish. It plays on your human mind and emotions. And the Greek word there is like the psyche, the mind, that realm of soul, okay? And demonic. This is where the enemy targets, the soul. That's why it's so important that we discern we have to grow up in our discernment to know what's of God and what's of the devil. It's very important. All right, so we get past the flesh, but we've even got to get beyond our own soulish realm. We don't want to pray and prophesy out of the soul because that can be influenced by the demonic realm. We've got to get deeper than that and get in the spirit John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And John got the entire book of Revelation because he was in the spirit, not in the soul. And this is interesting because when you get into the things of the spirit, last week, I I really feel that that sermon was very prophetic for 2020. That God is calling us deeper in Christ. How many will receive that with me tonight? Because I want to go deeper in Christ. I don't want to stay where I'm at. I want 2020 to go deeper in the Lord. I want to have learned things I didn't know. That's what many times you leave places and come back to places and it's the same. I don't want River of Life to be the same a year from now. I don't want to be the same a year from now. I want to know things I didn't know. I want to go into revelation God hasn't given. I want to flow in an anointing that I haven't been in. All right, so once we get past our flesh and past our own human soul area, Matthew 7, 6, Jesus warns us though, listen to this, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them underfoot and then turn and tear you to pieces. When you learn to get down into the spirit And you get deeper revelation. I don't share a lot of things that God gives me. A lot of things. My wife and I talk about a lot of things that she gets from the Lord, things I get from the Lord, but I don't share hardly any of that publicly or with very many people. Very little. Only what I feel like God wants me to share because of this reason. You have to be careful. Don't take the precious, holy things of God and give them to dogs. They don't care about it. They think it's stupid. Don't give precious pearls, things God gives you to swine. What did Jesus say? They'll just simply mock it. They think it's stupid. They'll trample it underfoot, and then they'll come after you and attack you and make fun of you about it. So once you give from the flesh and you even get beyond your own human soul, beyond the way you think and reason, beyond your emotions and you get in the spirit, that's where God's going to give you revelation. He's going to give you precious things. He'll expose tactics of the devil. He'll give you revelation about your life. He'll show you things, things out of the words you didn't know. It's very precious. It's things that you want to write down. Do you want to remember? He'll give you dreams that are from him. How many of you guys have truly had a dream from the Lord? I have. It's precious. He'll give you maybe a vision. He'll show you things but you have to be careful that you don't just indiscriminately share that with everybody. But in the spirit, that's where true, pure revelation comes. In the spirit, that's where the glory of God settles in and you begin to commune spirit to spirit with the Lord in his glory. When you get in the spirit, That's where there is a fresh anointing. That's where the gifts are at work very accurately and powerfully is when we're in the spirit. Now, let me kind of go rabbit trail back over to where I was just for a moment. But that's where you get those dangerous things that you see in churches sometimes. For example, one example would be like a Jezebel spirit because you get people that are prophesying out of their soul and not the spirit. And the demonic is using that. Does it make sense tonight? It's really very akin to an occult thing. But it's like a demonic thing is flowing into their soul area and giving counterfeit revelation. Counterfeit visions, counterfeit dreams. It's that spirit of Python type of thing. But it can be very accurate information. But it's out of the soul. And it's from a demonic source. So, listen, tonight I just feel also to warn everybody, this is a time that we're moving into in these latter days, realms of spiritual warfare, river of life in particular. I'm speaking to you guys. We're going to have to go deeper in the Lord and keep our discernment sharp. You know, the Bible says the word of God distinguishes between the spirit and soul. It rightly divides. The Holy Spirit When you develop in your inner man, as your inner man is developed and matured, Hebrews says that solid food is for the mature who have trained their inner senses. Everybody say inner senses. To discern good from evil. Some of you guys have begun to grow up in that. Where you can be around certain things and you can feel the energy of the demonic realm and it makes you feel uncomfortable i mean you guys have been walking by something and it's like yeah that's not of god right there see that's discernment in your spirit we've got to sharpen that and know the holy spirit and know the word and get our inner man in tune with the holy spirit all right so as we go deeper into the holy of holies and this is what i feel the lord is saying tonight I've got two more things I want to share and then we'll pray with people. I'm going to read these scriptures. Mark 10, 28. Peter said to Jesus, Behold, we have left everything to follow you. That was the inspiration of my wife's testimony. She left everything to follow the Lord. We've got to come to that place where it's like, True biblical Christianity is a radical thing. And right now, people that are embracing true biblical Christianity, they seem radical or extreme right now in America. But that's about to change when revival breaks forth. And God begins to bring people back to repentance and back to the cross and back to true biblical Christianity. And Jesus said in Matthew 10, 34, do not think that I've come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace. See, a lot of people need to read this scripture right here because they think of Jesus a certain way. He said, do not think that I've come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Read this scripture with me. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the own members of his household. He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. So how many of you guys... Again, see that you've accepted Christ and all of a sudden you either became an enemy or people began to really misunderstand you that you're related to. I love, you know, Benny Baker talked about this. Um, he said, you know, he said, none of us are smart enough to figure all of it out. He said, you know, a lot of his family are lost. And he said, how is it that I came to know the Lord? And he prays for his family, you know, like we all do. But a lot of times when you get radically saved and on fire for God, all of a sudden even members of your own family won't understand you. And sometimes they can become an enemy to you and persecute you. But Jesus said this, and I I want these last couple points here. He who has found his life will lose it. But he who has lost his life for my sake shall find it. True biblical Christianity is a total, complete death to ourselves. Well, this isn't a popular message anymore. Now, you know what people want to hear? Self-help motivational speeches. They want everything to be about the here and the now, how you can have a good life here and now. Well, my question is, that's fine in some ways, but what about eternity? What's gonna, here's the question. What's going to matter 200 years from now? What's going to matter on the other side of this life when we stand before the Lord? I want to live my life in such a way that it, it impacts eternity, not just have like a nice little comfortable life here and now. God will bless us. I believe in that. But true Christianity is a complete death to ourselves. We die to ourselves. It's no longer what we want. It's no longer about us. It's no longer about our sinful nature. That's crucified. It's no longer about any of our aspirations. It has become now that we are dead and Christ is living through us. And Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat fall to the ground and die, it remains a single seed. But if it will die, It will produce many seeds. So those that refuse to give up their life for the Lord, they got enough of God in them to know, but yet they haven't surrendered everything. Those that refuse to give up their life, it's going to be very painful for them. They will end up losing what they want. But those that will truly lay down their life on the altar, and say, Lord, none of me, all of you. Let me be crucified with you. Send your fire, burn out everything out of me. I want my life to be crucified with Christ. I lay it all down. When you live like that, it becomes easy. You find true life in him. But the deeper you go in Christ, like I talked about last week, the fewer will go with you. You're in the outer court area lit by natural sunlight. You see everything from the natural perspective. You know, people get saved. They sit around talking about the the blood. They talk about very basic elementary truths. And in that place, that's a big area where there's a lot of people. But as you begin to leave that outer court and move into the holy place, and you begin to see by the lampstand, you begin to see divine revelation. Those people out there do not get it. We love them, but they just don't get it. When you start seeing divine revelation, and there's true the incense of deep worship and prayer, the gifts are at work, and you begin to go deeper, you're going to find that that space shrinks, less people are going to go with you. And that the deeper you go in Christ, the fewer are going to go with you. Does this make sense? Don't be surprised as you go deeper in Christ over this next year that you're going to become more and more misunderstood by the world and by the religious. But you will find the Lord in a way that none of that will matter anymore. My wife will tell you that I, I really don't care what too many people think anymore, and it's not on purpose. It's not an arrogant thing. It's not like that at all. It's just the closer you keep going after God and the more you've been through persecution, satanic warfare, all the stuff with people you have to deal with in the ministry, God just seems to do something in us where we just don't care too much about what people think anymore. There's a handful of people that I talk to that I really value their opinion. Elders here, people that i talk talked to that on a regular basis, men of God speaking in my life. But you get to a place where you don't care what too many other people think. You want to know what the Lord thinks. It's a deeper realm because you're not gonna make everybody happy. And the closer you get to Jesus the, and the more you become like him, probably there's gonna be an increase of people that don't like you. You know, when I read the Gospels, it doesn't seem to me like, I know that there were people that really loved Jesus enough to die for him, but there was also an equal number of people that hated him enough to kill him. All right. The last thing I want to say is this. I'm going to talk about an open heaven. So in these latter days that we're living, we need to really stay close to the Lord we need to, to go deeper in Christ. We need to sharpen our discernment. There's going to be things that the devil is going to try to pull. He's going to try to slip things in, back doors in, you know unexpected ways. He comes as an angel of light. The Bible says some of his ministers appear as ministers of righteousness. He's going to come in a lot of ways that people don't think that he'll come. There's going to be very subtle things. There's going to be the opportunity for a lot of deception, a lot of confusion. And we're going to have to stay close to the Lord. We're going to have to stay in the word. We're going to have to stay in prayer and have our discernment sharp to to know what's of God and what's not of God and keep things really pure. But I'm encouraged, though, because I do believe that God is about to move very powerfully in these latter days. I believe after spending time with the Lord... Now for years, I really believe this. I believe that things that have seemed impossible are going to suddenly become possible because God showed up. I believe that. I believe that, that the true remnant of God has been praying, they've been pressing in, and, and they feel, many feel this way. They feel like, Lord, where are you right now? There's a harvest to be reached. There's, there, you know, and it just seems like the culture keeps getting darker when the lord shows up the impossible will become possible listen an impossible harvest will come in just like jesus said hey cast the net on the other side of the boat that was a supernatural harvest and things that seem like it would never move will move prayers that it seemed like when are these prayers ever going to be answered will get answered I believe God is going to send mighty angels to clear away the darkness and like cut a path for us to go into. And God is going to push back the tides of darkness and open the heavens and come down and he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh as he promised he would. That's already begun, but there's still much more to come. He's going to bring in an end time harvest. And that's already begun, but we're about to see a whole nother wave of harvest come in. And he's going to purify a bride. And there's going to be like this remnant that's truly close to Jesus and living the life that are going to be ready to be raptured. Others that are playing games, they're going to be here. And they're going to be with the Antichrist. And they're going to go through great tribulation. And some of them will truly get things right during that tribulation time. But the Lord's coming for a bride without spot or blemish. All right, and i close with this. An open heaven. Here's four things connected to an open heaven. So, whenever I talk about an open heaven, let me explain real quick. So, we here we are. We're in Dallas. And over this region, territorially, are princes and powers. Principalities and powers. Wickedness in high places. Things that try to clutter overhead. They try to come together and and create this thick, heavy oppression. It really affects the masses. It affects many churches because it puts them in a place where they become lukewarm and ineffective. They have no power. And the world will just keep going on as though there's no God and no judgment. They just, they just go on in their life, living however. And the enemy is over that, and it forms this, like a brass heaven, like a heaviness and oppression. But if the righteous will press into the Lord, it will clear over you and over your family, over a church. It will part the heavens over you where angels of God ascend and descend, The glory of the Lord comes in. Um, There's an anointing. There's a freedom. And that's what we've been coming up against in this region. One of the spiritual forces is religion. And in particular, I've talked about this for, I don't know, for many years, but religious witchcraft. You deal with uh, the whole Jezebel thing, but you also deal with a strong religious spirit and that's come together it's been like something collaborating overhead but look at this if we will live in obedience to god's word and that's what deuteronomy 28 is about everybody say obedience i promise you the heavens are brass over the disobedient the only, only those that live obedient to the word of god will have an open heaven and it says in here the lord said in verse 12 I will open for you his good storehouse, the heavens, to give rain on your land in its season and to bless all the works of your hands and you will lend to nations and not borrow. So you see here, look at this, an open heaven. The rain has to do with God's blessing, but it also has to do with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And look at this and i will bless the works of your hands that you'll lend and not borrow that's prosperity so an open heaven has to do with god pouring out his spirit but it also has to do with financial prosperity number two this is linked to an open heaven your tithes and offerings malachi 3 10 he said bring the tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house and test me in this says lord if i will not look at this open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings till it overflows. So prosperity and abundance. Look at this revelation. Everybody say revelation. You know, when Derek Prince went to Brownsville all those years ago, he said, even in his hotel room, he said, he felt that there was such an open heaven over Pensacola during that revival. He sat down and opened his Bible and began to pray. And he said, there's such an open heaven there that it was just like God was just giving him revelation. It was easy. It was easy to pray. It was easy to learn. It was easy to get information from the Lord. He said that was one of the things that really stuck out to him in Pensacola during the revival. And it's biblical, Ezekiel 1. Now, it came about in the 13th year on the fifth day of the fourth month while I was at the river... Uh, among the exiles the heavens opened there's an open heaven and i saw visions from god an open heaven and revelation comes and look at this john 151 this is jesus speaking to nathaniel and he said i saw you when you were under the tree and nathaniel was so amazed that the lord saw him But Jesus said, you're going to see greater things than me just telling you I saw you under a tree. He said, look, I say to you, you're going to see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Again, in open heaven. In open heaven has to do with the glory of God and it has to do with the trafficking of holy angels that ascend and descend and carry out God's business in the earth. So last week was prophetic for 2020 and just kind of carrying on. This week, as I close with this, it's time for all of us to not be content where we are. And that was what Brianna saw. There's some kind of a religious thing that's trying to get people just lulled to sleep. It's trying to suffocate the worship. It wants to get people to not really be praying to get people not pressing in to go deeper in Christ. It wants to just keep you where you're at. Listen, Break out of that, shake that off you, take authority over that thing, press in. This is the year to go deeper in Christ, to sharpen our discernment, and in that, we may not be understood by the world or the religious. There may be people that don't like us and don't understand revival, but I would rather have all that and have him in his presence any day. All right, so let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this time of prayer and and the word of God and, and what you're doing. Lord, seal this in every one of us. Take us deeper. Let this be a year, Lord, where we go deeper. We get beyond our own flesh. We get even beyond our human soul area and we get in the spirit, Lord, the place where there's a fresh anointing. Lord, the place where there's revelation. Lord, take us into the spirit where we can know you intimately and deeply. Let us go deeper in Christ this year. Lord, let it come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we'll pray for people tonight that want prayer.